Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Art of Money podcast, where I share honest conversations about how money influences our personal experiences, beliefs, and relationships, infusing this taboo subject with a loving dose of dark chocolate and inspiring encouragement. I am Barry Tesler, a financial therapist, author, and creator of The Art of Money, which is my flagship program, year-long money school, and global community. Integrating money healing, money practices, and money maps, The Art of Money is my holistic framework, blending therapeutic body-based practices with the real-life tools you need to create healthy, sustainable change in your relationship with money. The Art of Money is available on demand now, so you can say goodbye to that dusty old budget and hello to healing your money life. Learn more on my website, barrytesler.com. For now, grab something to sip on, get comfy, and tune in to today's episode of the Art of Money podcast. A big part of the Art of Money program focuses on helping people plan for the future of their life as it relates to money. There are many ways to plan for the future, from saving for a big family vacation to Hawaii, or planning to launch a new business next year, or planning for your retirement. But there's one area of future planning that not many people like to face because, well, it can bring up a lot of difficult emotions. And that's the area of planning for the potential of you unexpectedly passing away before you imagined that would happen. This kind of planning is traditionally called estate planning, but our guest today, Martha Hartney, who's an estate planning attorney and a friend of ours here in Boulder, feels like a better name for it is life design. And in this conversation between Barry and Martha, we're going to focus on a hypothetical story that's probably going to be a bit challenging to hold in your heart if you've got children. And if you've not thought through this potential scenario before, what happens if you go out on a date night with your spouse, leaving your children home with a babysitter, and you don't come home because you get in a car accident and you both passed away? Yeah, I know. It's a heavy question, but... It's so vital to face this aspect of reality. And it's important to face even if you don't have children because for most people, someone will be left behind. An intimate partner, family members. And the question becomes, what happens to your things, to your money, and to the people left behind if you die unexpectedly? That's what estate planning is all about. And as you'll see, it's far from dry and boring. It's, it's actually full of love and hope and compassion. So, in today's show, the story of what happens if you leave this world unexpectedly and how to get things in place legally to ensure that the people you would leave behind are taken care of. Let's jump into the conversation here. Barry and Martha were talking about what estate planning actually is, and Martha gets to the essence of it. But it comes down to, you know, what's important to you. What, what's at stake? What happens to each of our families and in our stuff when something happens to us. Um, for parents, it's generally going to come down to the very first stop in that inquiry is kids. What's going to happen to my kids um, if something happens to me? And then they kind of will think about, well, and I also got to get my stuff to my kids. I've got to make sure that if something happens to my brain, I'm okay. Uh, 
if something happens to me, my businesses will either continue or they will be transferred to someone else who will pay my family for it. So there's a whole host of things. But let's just stop first with the one that, that is relevant to, to, you know, I think it's probably half of your audience, and that's the kids. What and even I just want to pause, like I'm noticing I need to do a body check-in. Is your, oh, okay. You know, right. is, your, is your saying this? Yeah. And you're saying, you know, I just want to like, break into tears and be like okay I'm so willing to have so many conversations but you're asking me to right or I'm asking myself to have the conversation of death and what if something happens to me and you know all real life stuff Mm -hmm. yeah right yeah you're bringing me right there you're bringing us right there and this right here is probably the main reason why not many people like to focus on taking action around estate planning. It forces you to confront the reality of your mortality and fragile temporary nature of your existence. It's not comfortable to face this reality, but there are immense gifts that can come from the process of looking at our own mortality right in the face. Personally, meditation practices that have led me to focus on the reality of my own end have been the greatest teachers to me in life. For one thing, it really, really highlights what matters to me in life. And in this case, it makes a direct tie between our financial reality and the things that matter most. If you're having a little discomfort at the idea of all this, Martha says that... It can be overwhelming. So a good lawyer will take you through the process bit by bit and repeat, repeat, and circle back and help you get comfortable um, in that position and in that thought. So we are talking about death. We are talking about disability, and no one likes it. We could, you know, we can try to lighten it up, which I try to do, because if we get bogged down in the thoughts and the implications of those things, then it's very hard to move through it. So the body check-in, I think, is probably really wise. The body check-in that Martha is referring to is one of the fundamental tools or practices that Barry teaches about in the Art of Money program. We'll get into that in more depth in another episode, but... In general, it's a process of scanning your body on a physical and emotional level to help you gain some awareness of what's happening for you in that moment. It's a really handy tool when working on your relationship to money, and in this case, when you might be having some challenging emotions around planning for this aspect of your financial and life future. What are you feeling in your body? You're feeling fear? Where is it it sitting? what does it have to say to you? And if you need to pause this recording, I, you know, pause the recording. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like you need to have a cry, you know, um, <laughs> you know, what, what is it? Is it, yeah. Is it fear? Is it what, what's coming up? You know, the, and this is the emotional layer that you work with folks, right? And you know, this is part of the train, right? And you can talk the practical stuff really quickly, like I can do in moments. And then, most of my community is going to be like, wait a second, let's pause, let's feel our feelings, let's, we're, we're talking about death and disability, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'll, I'll sit here and feel my feelings, and please continue. And then when you add the kid layer, I mean, death and disability are, are just, in, the, in and of themselves, bring up a whole framework of feelings and thoughts, but then when you add the children on there, like, I get choked up. I really do. Um, Sometimes I'll just cry randomly because the thought of leaving our children behind 
even though that's the natural way of things, we are supposed to leave our children behind. When they're young, it's just too soon. It's just no, no, <laughs> we can't happen. And we resist the idea. But I assure you, it does happen. It happens not a lot, but it does. So we do need to, you know, I, I do encourage people to look at it. Although I'll tell you, only about 30% of Americans actually do estate planning. It's, it's actually like 31. So 69% of Americans are are walking around without a plan in place. They actually do have a plan. Here's something that just to take a note of, everyone really does have a plan, and it's called probate. It is the law's default plan for everyone who doesn't do their own plan. Um, every state has a probate code, and that probate code describes what happens to people's stuff when they die. It doesn't really deal with the children, though. So let's go back to that. We'll come back to probate. Is, is that okay? If we just yeah. Do okay, yeah, what yeah. about the kids? Right? So you have one son, and I have two sons, and you know probably about half the people here have children. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're a traditional family I, I hate that word, though. <laughs> Same-sex family, um, man-woman family, doesn't really matter. Um, these same principles when it comes to children do apply. If it's a same-sex family, then there are guardianship and parent um, parental rights issues that are lobbed on top. And that really does require the expertise of someone who understands the current status of same-sex marriage and, and parenting in a same-sex family. Okay. So, Barry, can can I use you as a as a guinea pig? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's Barry having some hesitation there, if you were wondering. She and Martha took a few minutes to address that, with Martha giving such beautiful, gentle support to Barry. This is real stuff happening here for Barry. But they got back on track and picked the conversation back up. So is it okay if I use you, or do you want me to just make up a hypothetical? You know, I'm okay. I mean, this is, you know, as I said earlier, there are things I have in place, and the very last piece is, is the will, you know, and 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 I can't even, you know, I'm having a hard time even saying it, and who we would have take care of our child. It, you, we've had many conversations on it um, recently, and we just haven't signed the papers. But, like, life insurance is in place, and, um, okay. you know, Noah's five, and it's like this, this needs to happen. So I'm just, yeah, you can, you can use me because, you know, with my community, it's like they all know that I'm fine-tuning my relationship to money and all of these parts and pieces and, and growing my financial support team every year and that right. everything's not in place and it's going to, you know, I, I, oh, you yeah. know, and so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's time. <laughs> I was like, Forrest, I'm having that call with Martha Hartney. She's going to, it's time. We're going to get the final piece of, paperwork in place, you know, yeah. It is a process. I mean, nobody can get all this stuff done in, in a short amount of time. You know, take it easy on yourself. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, good. You're saying to me what I share with everyone else, which is wonderful, one baby step at a time. Yes. There's so many parts and pieces from um, getting financial planners and doing SEPIRAs and getting retirements in place to getting your bookkeep in place to having an accountant and getting your um, the right business entity, right? There are mm -hmm. many, many pieces, and, and I'm asking everyone to take baby step, baby step, right? Right. And so right. here, these are the baby steps in the life design estate planning world. Yeah. Right. And yet when you're ready to go, 
um, it's probably a good idea to get through it as quickly as you can. So um, some people, I, I have seen people lag, like, oh, you know, we'll just take our time. And, and once you're committed, there's just no sense in not just proceeding. Just do it. Just get it done. Um, but these, the, the initial introduction of the concepts is really important ground to lay. And just take that easy. Okay, so we'll use you and Forrest and Noah as an example. Let's just pretend you have nothing in place, whether you do or not. I mean, I know you said you're getting some things in place, but let's just pretend you don't. Um, if you and Noah, you and Forrest, um, are you dating, you and Forrest? Are we dating? No, we're, we, <laughs> yeah. are, we are married. <laughs> it means you go out on dates. <laughs> Oh, do do we do yeah. we go out on dates? Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, yes. Great. And so, where's Noah when you go out on a date? Okay. Noah's at home, and we still don't let anyone drive him. And okay. so, he's at home or at the park with our childcare that we've had for a few years. That's in their late twenties. Right. Okay. That's what we do. Yeah. While okay. we're on our so, dates, you know, locally. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if you, it's supposed to snow on Thursday night. Let's say you go out on Saturday night, and you, you and Forrest have an accident. What happens? So we don't have to know exactly what your status is. We just need to know. We just know that you're not coming home that night. What happens right. with Noah? Right. Yeah. Right. So, so um, are you, are you going to answer that, or do you want me to answer that? I am going to answer it, but you can go ahead and take a stab at it, and I'll just yeah. um, course correct a little as we go along. Because a lot of people have good data, but it may just need a little yeah, bit Yeah, no, I'd love you to answer this question. Mm-hmm. I would love you mm-hmm. to answer it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so a lot of people will say, oh, well, if that happens, my brother or sister or my parents are going to be my kid's guardian, and and they'll kind of step over and and not really pay attention to the short-term issues. The moments and hours right after something happens to a parent is actually critical. A lot of lawyers will just bypass that, and they'll just say, oh, don't worry, we'll get a guardian in there. It's no big deal. I've actually heard that. Um, and that's not really the case. Um, a lot of estate planning lawyers aren't familiar with the child protection agencies and county uh, government agencies. They're not familiar with the processes of what happens when a child is suddenly either orphaned or their parents are unavailable. And yet that's the most critical moment, actually, for a child for their experience in their future is to make sure that that gap is closed. So if you're in a ditch, your car's in a ditch, the first responders, and stop me when you need a break. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm going to be sick, going. but it's okay. It's okay. okay. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Okay, not sure if you caught that there because it was a little hard to hear, but Barry said, no, it's okay. I'm going to be sick. And she meant sick to her stomach as a result of really feeling into this reality. So... Okay, so if you are um, not returning home, the first responders who come to your aid are permitted to look through your purse and Forrest's wallet. They're looking for medical alert information, doctor's information, and contact information, and medications too. So just know that, that, that's, that they can always dump out your purse. Um, in, and in many people's lives, if they have little children at home, They'll see immediately, the pol- it's usually the police or paramedics will see that you have a car seat and curios strewn across the bottom of your car or some kind of wrappers, and they'll realize, oh, there's minor children in this, these, this couple's life. And that actually has a legal effect of putting the first responders, it's called on notice. It's actually a legal term of art, on notice that there are children that they are then 
um, responsible for securing the safety of. So they will actually look up your car's registration and send a squad car out to your last registered address. Another thing that can happen is that your um, caregiver, the person that you carefully selected, who is at home with Noah, realizes you have not come home when you said that you would. And they have your cell phone number, and they're calling your cell phone number, and you're not answering. And they're going to panic. Eventually, they're going to start making phone calls to the police, to a hospital. Um, eventually, someone in authority, and I mean by authority, I mean the state. It's this nebulous being called the state is going to realize, oh, I'm on notice. There are minor children whose parents aren't returning home. I've got to, I have to act. So the way they act is sending out a squad car to the home, knocking on the door and doing what's called a well-child check. Hey, I need to, you know, it's usually a uniformed police officer doing this. I need to see the children or the child. Can you, how are they? Um, and usually, you know, of course they'll be fine. And then the next question is going to be, do you have the legal authority to keep these kids or this child? And we want that answer to be yes. A lot of times it's not, and a lot of times it's like, I don't even know what that is. What's legal authority, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, blank, blank, I don't know what you mean, mm -hmm. right? So um, when that happens, the state becomes the person or the, the entity after you whose responsibility is to secure the safety of your children. And they can't just leave kids with anyone. Um, in some states, like Colorado, they can leave a child in the physical care of a family member. So if that caregiver happens to be your mom or your dad, your brother, your sister, your niece or nephew, they can leave the child there as long as that person isn't, you know, inebriated or some other, is compromised in some other way. Okay. But a non-family member does not have that authority in any state. So what do we do? Well, if, if Noah is with someone who doesn't have legal authority to retain custody of him, he's going to take a ride in the police car down to the police station. And they'll, the, the police will start interviewing neighbors. They'll, they'll try to find someone. They'll try to get your ICE contact off your phone if they can. I don't know if you have that, but ICE meaning in case of emergency. A lot of people have put that in their cell phones in case of emergency call. Um, they will, they'll start making phone calls um, from to Child Protective Services, if they can't readily identify a family member to to give the child to just the physical care, not the legal custody. That's a different uh, form of custody. The physical care of a child to, they'll call Child Protective Services, and a caseworker will make their way down to see where the child is or the children. And that, that, yeah. So okay, so that's it. I yeah. mean, that's a really um, hard scenario, right? Even. Yeah. Imagine or stomach, so I'm not going to imagine it. The trouble is, I was imagining it, and I couldn't turn it off. This conversation you're hearing was recorded for the Art of Money program members a couple of years ago when our son Noah was five. We have somewhere around 60 to 70 hours of recordings and interviews that Barry has made over the last few years for the program, and I hadn't heard this guest teacher call with Martha until now, in early 2016, as I'm working on creating these podcast shows. I had heard this call was powerful for Barry, but I didn't know why. As I was going through this recording and logging it, which is essentially transcribing what's being said and where in the recording it's being said, when I got to this point in the conversation, 
My own emotions started spilling over the brim. Tears started coming to my eyes, and I had to keep stopping the recording to gather myself so I could keep logging it all. I'm saying this in the event that you have some emotions come up as you imagine yourself in this scenario with your partner and your kids. You're not alone if you find it emotionally challenging. So hang in there with me in this conversation because you'll see why it's so important to take care of. What I am going to do, though, is, you know, put all the things in place right so that we're being proactive here and so can you talk me through that or talk us through that of okay so you have the emergency number on your phone so you have you know the child care provider knows exactly who to call or what information or what packet to get out as a parent one of the things that you are permitted to do um, because you have the constitutional right to the care custody and control of your child is delegate the parental rights delegate your parental authority to someone that you've pre-selected to have legal custody and temporary physical custody of your child until we can shake out who is actually going to be your child's long-term guardian. So in a state plan, when there's children involved, minor kids at home absolutely must close the gaps in care around those minor children so that they're never at risk of going down to the police station, never at risk of going into the foster care system. Um, unfortunately, I verified that that actually is the case. That is how they handle it. Most agencies don't have a standard operating procedure for a child whose parents aren't coming home. They just kind of deal with it as it arises. And, and in our county, in Boulder County, um, I'm told it happens once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not a lot, but it's not never. Yeah. So okay. our our job is to delegate our authority to the people that we know can wrap their arms around our, our children and receive them and explain to them something very, very difficult. So I don't know if that would be um, your caregiver. I don't know if it's a family member for you. Each person really should think about it. Those We call those temporary guardians. A temporary yeah. guardian should be within 30 minutes yeah. radius of your home. Um, because if your caregiver, who is your babysitter, does not have that authority, we need to make sure your babysitter knows what to do. I mean, usually when we have a, a caregiver, we'll say, well, I'm going out to Shine Restaurant. We'll be home at midnight. Here's my cell phone. Right. That's really not quite enough. We need one more step. Yeah. We need yeah. to say, if you can't get me on my phone, yeah. call my temporary guardians, unite them with my children, and then call the police together. Yeah. Okay? And and when your temporary garden, guardians are armed with the right paperwork, I can I can almost guarantee that the police and the child protective services are just going to say thank heaven this family took this out of my hands so i don't have to deal with it they don't they don't want the administrative nightmare but they also know it's not good for a child yeah right so they 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 really do want parents to take care of this little aspect but there's there's just nobody out there who's telling parents hey did you know you could even do this yeah yeah right yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my tears are like, you know, are both like, oh my god, am I sick to my stomach? And at the same time, like, okay, I can. <laughs> the tears are shifting. It can into, be okay. I can do something, and I can totally. really set this up in the best way. And I know exactly which friends, yeah. you know, are going to be the temporary guardians. Okay. One of the things that's God, why did I say yes to being the <laughs> beginning? Okay. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. That's why I don't. Yeah. I know. I didn't know. I didn't know it'd be so emotional. If you're anything like me, you will 
probably not have thought to think through the immediate moments after something unfortunate like this happens. The mental image of my seven-year-old son riding in a police car to the police station, having just found out that he will never see us again, and then possibly being sent to a foster home is so hard to hold in my mind, and it gave me the final wake-up call. We need to finish this piece and get our estate planning done, because I don't want that scenario to ever happen to our boy. So we're meeting with Martha in a few weeks from now to get it done. This is one of the gifts I was referring to at the beginning of this show. This is one of the reasons why this hard work is so important to do. If you have a child or a spouse and you care about them and love them more than anything in the world, doesn't it make sense that you'd want to do some planning so that if something unfortunate happens to you, they are in the best possible situation they could be in given the circumstances? I can't speak for you, but it sure makes sense to me, and I, I actually can't believe that I never thought about the impacts of not preparing for what would happen in the minutes and hours right after an event like this would happen. At this point in the story... A good estate plan will take all of that in, into account and make sure that you have temporary guardians who can catch your kid if they fall, yeah. because you've fallen, right? Right. Um, and then we've got to figure out who actually would be the long-term guardian, who will, no. who will raise your child if you cannot. Um, and when we're picking that personnel, I think you already know intuitively, we're really picking out their future parent, not just yeah. a guardian, but somebody that we hope will adopt them. We can't really select our, um, or, or force our guardian to adopt our children. All we can do is say, you're my guardian. If you choose to adopt, awesome. I've selected you with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, a guardianship over a child is a court-supervised state. So when you... When you select your guardian, at least in Colorado, a court is obligated to affirm the person that you selected unless there's really good reason not to. Like there's something about that person you weren't aware of, you know, a a drug or alcohol addiction or gambling problem or something that's going to put the child in danger. But by and large, a court, if if you're not able to do the job, they want to know who you wanted. Yeah. And they're generally not going to overrule you. So um, I've heard some lawyers say, well, those aren't really effective. Well, yeah, they really, really are. <laughs> I, I promise you they are. Okay. Because if you don't nominate your guardian, the person who will raise your child for you if you can't, who's going to do it? Who's going to make the decision? A judge. And a judge cannot possibly be as familiar with your family as you are. Yeah. All that they can see when they're making this decision are the people who have stepped forward who are willing to do the job and say, I'll take the job. Here, Your Honor, this is my petition for guardianship of minor child. Here are my qualifications. Here's my financial information. Here's my home study. I want these child or these children. And if you have multiple parties, you could have, you know, a family could have a, um, a very long-lasting, protracted, costly guardianship proceeding. And in my family, I think I would, actually. I think I have two sisters who have petitioned for my children. Of course, I've done my my own planning, so it's not going to happen. But if I didn't, I have two sisters who would step forward, um, one of which looks really good on paper. She's, you know, very wealthy. She's bubbly. Uh, a court, a judge would just love her and think she's awesome, but uh, they could not tell that my sister struggled with alcohol for 35 years. Mm-hmm. Right? And my another sister would step forward because I have a large life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
And the more moneyed a family is, the more protracted the legal proceeding will tend to be. More people will show up saying, I'll take the kids, I'll take the kids, thinking that the money's going to come with the kids, which it will. It's not necessarily the way they think it will, but it will. So, you know, in my case, I had my other sister would step forward because of this large life insurance policy. And this is a little side story. Um, she is destitute. Uh, you know, I have seven sisters. Oh, and wow. my one, yeah, my, my one sister lost her husband about eight years ago to hepatitis that he'd, he'd gotten in, in Vietnam long and long, long, long ago. Didn't even know he was sick. They got married. They had four children. She she retired from her work, so she did not keep up her work skills at all. You know, she figured that um, they'd live a nice, long, happy life, and he's a breadwinner. Well, he got sick, and he passed away. And before he passed away, he wasn't able to get any new life insurance. Once you're sick with life insurance, it's all over. You can't get insurance again. So he wasn't able to. He left her with four kids, a giant mortgage, a big house, and a $500,000 life insurance policy, and it lasted four years gone i know so one of the the things to check in about is um you know when you're doing estate planning this is an opportunity to look at that far future impact of our financial choices now don't do it now don't get all wrapped up (laughs) i I wouldn't encourage you to do that i just want to make a note like something to check on so every parent has the absolute right to name this their successor um there's lots and lots of authority to say that and the note here is that it's really important that you do it because if you don't, a court's going to do it for you. And something to, to kind of loosen that up, um, first off, know that if you're having trouble or if any, anyone in the community is having trouble making the decision of who is going to do that, that is by far the number one barrier to proceeding with any and all estate planning is this one decision. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> you're not alone. Yeah. And, and, there are ways to get through the decision, one of which is to make sure that your decision is recorded in a freestanding document that you can change at will. Um, many lawyers will place their guardianship nominations inside of a will, which is the worst place to put it, because if you want to make a change, you know you're going to have to go to your lawyer and they're going to charge you 300 to $500 just to change your will. So a lot of people are, are disincented from making changes when they know they need to. You might want to make changes to your decision around guardianship for one reason or another. Like if you choose your parents, but they end up getting divorced while you and your kids are still alive. You'll probably want to update the legal documents around your decision to one or both of them being the legal guardians of your child or children. And also... When your kids get to be 12 or 13, many, many states require a judge to get consent of that child. So they actually would need to be involved in the decision-making process of selecting a guardian nominee at 12 or 13 years old. I know it seems a little young, but a court's going to ask them, so we might as well involve them in that conversation too. And by the time they get to be in high school, their roots in their high school community will be so deep that that if a nominee is named that's out of state, often the kid will just say, there's no way I'm going. The way I want to finish high school where I'm at is something happened to you, Mom and Dad. So I know it's a little far off for you. No, but then you do five, it. Right? I, I, no, but I like I like that you're giving the overview. You're saying this can be changed, and it is changed. Yeah. You know, over the course of raising our children two or three times, and and yeah. 
especially in high school, they're going to want to stay put, you know. So that's all great. That's really all. That's helpful, very helpful. Mm. Great. Okay, so once we have have a guardianship nomination, you can be pretty well assured. Uh, Almost all the time I have yet to see a guardianship nomination not honored. And I don't even, I don't think that there's even a case on it. So I think you can really rest easy in that. Um, one thing to know that when you see it on paper, that's a moment of, of, to check in. That's, that's a really good time to do a body check in. When you actually see those names on paper, is this right? How does my body feel while I'm reading this? Um, and often when people make elections about who's going to serve for them, if they can't do a job, It'll, it'll come down to actually seeing it on paper. So if, you, if a person goes home and, like, I hate the way this name looks, it feels wrong to me, that's a good indication that, we'll, that it needs to change. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't and you can sleep at night and you don't even give it another thought, then that's a good in- indication to let it ride. Okay, so, he, so here's the thing. What if folks really can't come up with someone? I mean, I'm sure you work with people through that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. And, uh, on my website, on my blog, I have an article about how to select the guardian. And you can get a link to that article in the show notes for this episode. Now, the process of estate planning in general can bring up a lot of other issues. Martha said that... Something to, to think about is that this sometimes does bring that stuff up. Oh, yeah. It brings up our vulnerabilities and our feelings about each other's families, about ourselves, and about our own families of origin. So it's, it's, it's a good time to be gentle with oneself and with each other yeah. in trying to negotiate this, not just the, the guardianship, children's guardianship issues, but the whole estate plan um, will, t- will tend to bring up your feelings about money and resources and your families. And, um, mm. and it, it can have an impact, either yeah. positive or negative. So. Yeah. yeah, so either schedule an extra therapy appointment or yeah. just make sure you have some extra dates you know, and and yeah. have the skills and have the mm-hmm. safety to talk about this, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's going right. to bring up all of it. Oh, my God. Okay. How we feel about each other's families, all of it, money stuff. That's where we, like, that's where we, you need my work, your folks, my folks need your work. You know, it's this huge overlap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a huge piece on guardianship. But from there, there's one more beautiful piece of this process of planning for your future, and it has to do with capturing and passing on intangible belongings, your emotional and spiritual wealth, to the people who survive after you're gone. Because the money is great. It should be taken care of. But if the emotional and spiritual wealth isn't also captured in some way, some concrete way, um, it does. It's not complete. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel rested and secure. So look for that in your estate planner, somebody who will make sure that you capture all the intangible wealth as well. Can you just give us, give us an example of intangible wealth and how that can be captured? Oh, yeah, I can. Um, this is my favorite part of the work, actually. My practice and my fellow practitioners uh, who are personal family lawyers, we, we have a philosophy. Um, there's about 100 of us. Our philosophy is that, that money is all well and good, but if we don't capture the most important parts of the parent-child relationship in some tangible form, that child will have a very difficult time launching their life after a tragic loss 
or a tragic event of any kind, whether it's loss or, or disability. And they need some juice in their tank to go on. Um, one way that we capture it is through some written materials. Um, but knowing that parents actually will just generally not have time to do written materials, um, we make sure that we bring our clients back in to do a family legacy interview, um, which is done periodically about every three years, sometimes more frequently, depending on a client's um, desires, we can do it more, more frequently. But it's an interview that wraps up the estate plan, where for me, I bring them in for one last meeting, I put them on a camera, and we've already kind of pre-decided what they want their interview to contain, and then I lead them through with them on camera, talking about their love story, what they love about each other, what they saw in each other when they met, um, what their kids are like, uh, what their hopes are for their children's lives, what their values are about money, about career, about education, about spirituality, and what their spiritual journey has been like. Um, and that process, actually, almost everybody, somebody cries, and frequently oh. it's me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. And, and people who, who really didn't really trust the estate planning process will often come out of that going, I get it now. I'm on cloud nine. I've had a chance to look at my life from the view of the past, the present, and the future, and I'm settled. This is one of the other big gifts of doing this estate planning work that I was referring to at the beginning of this episode, the family legacy review. Leaving a message behind for your children about how you both met, what your values are, what your hopes for them are as they grow up. And I don't know about you, but part of the reason this brings tears to my eyes when I think about Barry and I doing this for Noah is not just sadness about imagining us being gone before he's grown up and out on his own. Tears come because of the immense amount of love and compassion that I have for him. Having the chance to pass on some bits of our emotional and intellectual and spiritual wealth to him, should we depart this world before he's on his own, that just brings me a magnitude of such gratefulness that it causes me to tear up. I've long wanted to have the space to write him a book for this very purpose. Notes for Noah, I would call it. And it would contain all the most important things I could think of that Barry and I would want to share with him. But I, I haven't had the time to write it yet, and as Martha said, we're probably in the same boat as most parents in that it's hard to find time to write something like that, which makes doing a family legacy video all the more appealing. Hi again. Thank you so much for joining me today. What you heard here is a delicious sample of the loving guidance, heartful inspiration, and practical tools you'll find in my year-long money school, The Art of Money. I hope you found something here to take with you, a lesson, some inspiration, or even just a little grace for yourself and where you are in your own money journey. If you're feeling called to wade deeper here, please pack your financial goals, soul deep aspirations and grab your favorite person. My year long money school, The Art of Money is now available on demand and we offer a wonderful buddy discount. So if you would like to begin your money healing journey with The Art of Money today, you can find out more at barrytesler.com. <laughs>